Hey, friendly reminder, this podcast is not for kids or people who have a stick up their ass. Friday, 5.58 p.m. I'm sleeping with my best friend's husband. I think my uncle killed someone in I his think suicide. I am I a sugar baby. Mom addicted to Adderall. I think I my sister is my actually my uncle's kid. My What's your secret? Welcome back, Secret Keepers. This is Beyond the Secret, and I am Ace Fanning. Before I dive into this week's secret, I want to give you a few heads up. The first being, this episode is intense and could potentially be a trigger for anyone who has dealt with abuse in any form. So please, listen with caution. The second is that the original version of this interview actually lasted 3 hours and 13 minutes. But I knew I didn't want to split the episode, so there are a lot of missing parts. And if at any time I may seem cold for asking a question or not responding, please just know that I've purposely edited myself out of this episode quite a bit to have as much time for her story. Finally, in the show notes and at the end of the episode, there is a list of resources for anyone who may find themselves dealing with these same circumstances. And I hope that you always know that you are never alone in any of this. This week's secret, my abusive marriage. What would you say to the girl sitting there right now, covered in black and blue and pulling broom bristles out of her face? Hang on, I just need a second. (laughs) I would want them to know that someone understands them, whether they feel like it or not. And that no matter what, no one deserves what they're going through. And to literally reach as deep as they possibly can and find the strength, just muster like all of it up, put on your shoes and leave right now. Because once you get out that door and you're able to breathe, you will see so much of the truth in that and you will be able to lay your head down at night and not live in fear. Tell me about when you very first met your ex. I was working. I had transferred from one location of a job to another, and he was working there. And in super cheesy platform, I saw him and was like, well, hello. And we started talking, and it was very um, easy. And effortless and charismatic and it was okay this person's really cool like there was an immediate like attraction there he had a great personality which 
I think everybody's kind of a sucker for off the bat. And, you know, we hung out with people from work and then, you know, alone. And it just kind of took off from there. How old were you at the time? 19, almost 20. And was he like your same age? He was a few years older than me. What was your guys' dating relationship like? Well, because we worked together, a lot of our interaction and stuff happened at work. And obviously we would hang out after and stuff, but a lot of our building and um, like bonding, I guess, if you want to call it, happened at our place of work with our coworkers and that kind of interaction and the cute, like we weren't supposed to show anybody that we were together, but everybody knew. And then when we weren't at work, it was, you know, we'd go to movies or hang out at friends' houses or see either like, you know, on the couch and watch movies and eat Taco Bell and be young and stupid and shoving our faces full of fast food. Like all of the stuff that you just enjoy. And we laughed a lot and we had a really good time together. It was really nice, actually. When do you feel like in the relationship, you feel like you really started to love him like when did it go from like oh we're just kind of young and innocent and fun to like holy shit like I love this man I think now looking back it wasn't really until probably a year in that I really truly was like all right I like for sure love him like mature feelings kind of thing what is it that you were so attracted to like you said his personality but I just I really want to understand who he is what he was like he, I mean, you are physically attracted to someone first because before you hear them speak and all that. So he was tall and really like handsome, slender and fit and just this really nice smile. And I kind of saw him from like afar from where we worked. And then he saw me and he would come over and like do the whole awkward, I want to talk to you and I want to like get to know you, but I don't want you to know that I'm interested in you just yet. And I'm the girl going, yeah, okay, I know what you're doing. But I was all about it. <laughs> and once he, you know, we did start just kind of chit-chatting back and forth. He was very kind. I am, sarcasm runs deep in my family. And uh, he kept up with that. And he could give it back. And it was just this really, like, quick sense of humor between the two of us and just a lot of laughter. But, you know, we also talked about things that... Like there were also, you know, the the deep conversations that you end up in where you have like the similar interests and just all around like combination of wit and personality and he wasn't ugly and just like it all compounded into like, oh, hello, I really do like you. <laughs> Had you been in any serious relationships before this one? Well, considering my age, serious to me, oh, absolutely. The person that I had been seeing before him was actually like an on and off for, you know, like four or five years since I was a teenager. To me, that was a very serious thing. But even, even if it was on and off, like four years is a long mm -hmm. time. Oh yeah. And I had known the previous person for longer than that. Like we had been friends too. So most and all still to this day, like most of all of my relationships stem from knowing someone for a length of time and it turning into something. My ex-husband was one of the first people that I met, met and dated, I should say, when he was still kind of like a stranger. I was getting to know him. He wasn't somebody that I had been friends with for an extended period of time or anything. And then it progressed into something else. 
when did you guys take your relationship like to the next level? Was that like moving in together or? Well, I was living in one city that was probably like an hour or so from where I was working because of like the transfer that I had made and I hadn't moved yet. So when I made the move to be closer to my job, he like helps me move and everything. And then he kind of just like, it went from him hanging out and like staying over once in a while to he was just kind of there. And I think that was kind of the unspoken step of like, all right, it's, you know, serious now, which I was, you know, giddy and super happy about it. And I got to hang out with, you know, this cute guy that was my best friend and he liked me too. We started talking about like a future and, you know, what we saw and it wasn't like, okay, what do you want? How are we going to do this? It was very much like, do you want to see the world? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And conversations like that. So it was almost unspoken that we both were on that page of like, we want to get married. There wasn't ever a formal, like, I want you to be my really serious girlfriend and I think I'm going to marry you. So can we like do that? It just kind of happened. I think when relationships just happen naturally, that's kind Mm -hmm. of the best ones that you can have is because, you know, it's not forced. It's you guys were, (laughs) I think, you know, a lot of people are against young relationships, but I think that when you have a young relationship, the best part about it is there's no pressure. When you start to get like a little bit older and you're like, I'm 30 and I'm not married. Mm -hmm. Society puts this like ticking time bomb on you. That's like, shit, now I got to find somebody. And I feel like that's when you settle. But when you're young, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, listen, if this doesn't work out, like I will just get, I will find somebody else. Exactly. And I'm a sucker for very, very natural like connection with people. I do not like small talk. And there was never any of that. So when you find somebody that it flows very easily with and it just keeps naturally like happening, that's perfect. And I really at the time was not looking for anything, let alone something that would become so serious. I think that because I was young, my family and his family were kind of like, hey, um, you guys are really young, maybe just like, wait. And that was all out of good nature because they wanted us to make sure that we were making the right decision and not rushing into anything. That was pretty much the only negative, if that's even the right word, component that came out of us having everything happen. Not extremely quickly, but quicker than anyone expected, I guess. How did he propose to you? When we decided we were actually going to get married, some of our family members were not super happy about it. That had to do with, I think, their own concerns for them wanting us to really sit and the whole, you're young, enjoy your time. Like you guys don't have to get married. You can date, you can experience things like you're going to grow, you're going to change, like make sure that this is really what you want. I was really upset because of some of the people that weren't being supportive. And little did I know he was taking me out to um, one of our, beautiful mountain ranges and I wasn't even paying attention where he was driving because I'm the like really angry 20 year old in the passenger seat like ranting and raving about how people just need to mind their own business and whatever else and he had you know the ring in his pocket the whole time and was 
listening to me bitch and complain and he's driving me up to like this beautiful scenery so that he can ask me to formally marry him in spite of what everyone else is saying and so we did we walked up the side of this mountain and it was gorgeous out and I finally calmed myself and was being a rational human being (laughs) and uh it was I just remember standing there and I think I turned to look at something and I turned back around and he was down on one knee and just basically said like I really don't care if other people don't understand it like what matters is that we do because at the end of it like we're the people that are going to be together did he ask for your dad's permission my dad was honestly one of the people that wasn't super excited about it because I'm you know his little girl and um just reservations about he didn't really know him because I was in a different state than him and he hadn't had a chance to like meet him he had heard of him and um looking back now that I'm older I'm like I should have you know gone out to see him and taken you know the eight nine hour drive or whatever it was at the time to introduce him so it would have been better but when you're young you're just like oh I'm just gonna do this it's fine like they'll get over it and uh so he never formally asked my dad but I know that that was also because he was pretty sure my dad was gonna say no because he already knew that my dad wasn't very happy (laughs) well I think the hard thing is when people voice concerns like that I mean it wasn't against it wasn't saying, hey, I don't think you guys are right together. I don't think he yeah. treats you right. I don't think any of that. It's just, you, I think you guys are young. And Well, and he was also um, previously in the military. And I think that my dad was a little bit concerned about someone who had gone through some of the things that he had gone through and things like that and wanting to make sure that he was okay and his daughter was going to be okay. And I didn't see it that way and even though all of this stuff around us other people weren't sure like he and I saw everything the same way and we're on the same page and that was a really good feeling it was comforting and like it felt like its own home I was just thinking like as you're explaining all this because you've said most of the relationships you've had are people that you've known for a long time and then it Mm -hmm blossoms into something else I feel like what was so nice about this was the fact that it wasn't that you were changing yourself or you were trying to be Mm -hmm. somebody else but you just kind of got to you know like when you're when people know you for so long they kind of know they know everything about you and Mm -hmm. when you meet someone new you you're kind of like oh I get to kind of shape the way that they see me and like maybe they won't know about that asshole stage that I went through when I was (laughs) 15 and what a mean girl I was in high school or whatever the case may be. It's just like, oh, they're just taking me as who I am right this second. Because he's hearing about you from the past, but it's all from your own viewpoint is how he's hearing it. And a lot of times, like when we do shitty things or we're shitty people or whatever it is, we're not doing it. Like we don't wake up in the morning and we say to ourselves, oh, I'm going to be a shitty person today. No. Um, when we can explain things from our viewpoint and be like, yeah, I went through X, Y, Z, but the reason why is because of this, it's easier for them to accept. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, my parents, obviously, well, I mean, I mentioned that my dad didn't live in the same state as me. My parents weren't um, together mm-hmm. and 
that wasn't a, a problem. Like I was actually one of the kids that was like, I'm glad that they made that decision because they probably would have killed each other. And they got along so much better apart. And I had and have like amazing step parents. But I think that there's a part of you, um, geez, I don't want to say longing for somebody to like, love me because my everybody was very loving uh can i infer something yes so when you were talking about your ex you had uh-huh. said that you guys together it was like your own little family your own home mm-hmm. and i feel like again just sticking my foot in my mouth <laughs> it wasn't that you needed your parents to be back together but there was probably always this kind of feeling of i mean you felt the brokenness oh yeah the family not being together and you just wanted something that felt whole absolutely and i think i felt different than um my like i lived with my my mom and my my stepdad and I think I felt different than they pictured me to be or, or were hoping I would be not just very like uh, artistic and creative and very much. I, I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot all the time, very empathetic, very like compassionate. And I wanted to explore like, artistic things and as much as they accepted that quote unquote it was I want you to be able to do that but let's talk about what this avenue is like career-wise that will be a guarantee and this not and I know that it was for the best of intention but things like that growing up I felt like the whole me wasn't ever truly accepted Mm -hmm. something is missing and I wanted to just be somewhere where I was completely accepted no matter what did I know that at the time absolutely not I can see that looking back now but when I met my ex-husband and he loved that I loved art and music and photography and wanted to stop randomly in places and take pictures of this rock at this angle and he's like what are you doing and I'd show it to him and be like oh (laughs) you know that was something that he appreciated that I hadn't had a lot of in my life and you're right that's that home that base of that was my own thing and there wasn't any pushback he was just very accepting and very loving and very encouraging and i i really needed that but i also really really appreciated it by the time that your wedding came around was the rest of your family did everyone calm their tits was everyone like did the wedding go fine oh yeah the wedding was it went off without a hitch the week or so before people were coming out of their stubborn rut, I'll say. There was a lot of pride and I'm not gonna give up my stance on this. And the wedding was a lot of fun. Everybody got along. My biggest concern too was like my dad, who was not exactly super happy about it. He definitely changed his tune, I think, when he saw us together and saw how happy I was. I remember him telling me, I can see how happy you actually are. And that makes me feel so much better. 
So when do you feel like the cracks started to show? I was pregnant with our son. And it was, I, it was a party or something like that. But here I am. I was a miserable pregnant lady. Like I hated it so much. <laughs> and I wanted to go home. Because it was a long day and I was uncomfortable and it was just like, hey, can we go? And he didn't want to, like he wanted to stay. And the people that were there was like, yeah, just go home. You know, it's fine. Nobody was like, oh, you should stay. It was, you know, later in the evening and um, on the way back to our home, he had been uh, drinking, not heavily, he like snapped at me and it wasn't like an irritated, like I'm tired and I'm mad that you made me leave like my friends, but I understand. So just like, can you just give me 10 minutes and then I'll love you again. It was the way that his everything shifted so quickly. I kind of like looked at him and my like stomach flip flopped a little bit. And before we even got home, he, you know, put his hand on my lap and he was like, I'm sorry, that wasn't okay. Like, that was really mean. I didn't mean to do that. And those kinds of things started happening a little more often. And before this, like looking back mm-hmm. on your dating and all of that stuff, was he, mm-hmm. was he ever like hot headed? Did he have a temper? There was obviously like times where he would be grumpy or frustrated or anything like that, but it, it was normal. It was, I'm irritated. And then he got over it or there was never any lashing out. There was never any, um, anything that took place that made my stomach hurt. I go with my gut a lot. (laughs) That would always be something like if that started to happen, that was when I'd really, you know, pay attention. And there was never anything like that. Well, and it's funny that you say, you know, I, I listened to my gut and like in that moment you said my stomach flipped when he. It definitely did. And that is one thing that I still look back on to this day. And one of the reasons that if if that happens in any point in my life, I listen to that without a doubt, 100% because it has never been wrong. And I, I ignored it a lot. And it would have saved would have saved a lot of heartbreak or anguish or pain. And so I always tell people, like, you listen, that your intuition does not lie. Like your body tells you when something is wrong and you can't ignore that. So you have your son and mm-hmm. all goes well. Mm-hmm. How is your husband with your son? He was an amazing dad very excited very hardworking, very dedicated and having my first child there's a lot of adjustment when you have this tiny little person that you're suddenly solely responsible for and they need everything from you and I stressed myself out thinking I wasn't going to be able to do it and he was so comforting and he would just be so encouraging he's like you're you're great like you were great you've got this I remember him sitting in the grass with our son I want to say maybe eight months old, just handing him, you know, this little ball back and forth in the grass and watching my son's eyes light up just from them exchanging this little tiny ball. 
he was really great with him. He loved him so much. And I remember sitting back and thinking like, this is so much more than I could have asked for. I feel shitty even doing this, but I want to ask, here we are having this beautiful moment, but you know, when does shit kind of start to hit the fan again? I started seeing just a huge shift in his everything. And I was, at that point, I have a a one-year-old. So it wasn't like I, it didn't like stop the whole world. That's impossible. But I definitely noticed things and I would try and like, hey, are you okay? Like, and yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But it was difference in conversation. It was difference in routine. It was difference in, um, the only thing that didn't change drastically right away was how he was with our child. But that even shifted a little bit. Was he just more withdrawn? He was withdrawn. He was irritable. He was cold. Um, He went from being this very funny, charismatic person that I couldn't wait to come home to talk to about my day, even if it was the stupidest day ever. Like I knew that he was interested and I knew that he wanted to hear about it. And he would, you know, light up when I'd walk in the room and I couldn't wait to like see him. And, uh, right before, um, sorry. (laughs) I think it was right before my son had his first birthday. Honestly, we had our first like argument and I know that I was frustrated because I felt like the person that I knew and was so in love with was like gone and I didn't I didn't know what was going on and I I was concerned and he was angry with me for being concerned he like yelled at me in this tone that I'd never heard before and I was standing in um, our bedroom and he yelled and took a step forward and I was like leaning against the wall and he got really close to my face. And the best way I can describe it is like, there was nothing behind his eyes anymore. It was just full of like something I'd never seen. And I was more sad than scared at that point because I knew that something was up but I wasn't sure what was going on. And even at that point, I wasn't, I still wasn't afraid of, I wasn't worried that he was going to physically hurt me. I was dealing with the emotional, like bouncing back and forth. Can I ask you in the moment, you know, I think as humans, we always try to come up with justifications for why something is happening. And I go to my own life and I think about there was someone in our family that we were close with and there was just this shift, just like you're talking about. And it ended up being, you know, prescription pain meds and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. At the time it was like, you know, we would justify it as like, you know, well, he lost his job or he's not doing the job that he wants now and all this stuff. Were there justifications that you were making at this time? Oh, absolutely. He was previously in the military and not that 
there was any like formal evaluation or diagnosis done on him at that point. But I knew that those types of uh, experiences can absolutely, you know, have a lasting effect on people. And so I would think to myself, like, it could be something along those lines. I know that work is crazy for him right now. He's got a wife and a kid and he's trying to support everybody and he's, you know, whatever. And I absolutely went through everything I could possibly like give credit for. It wasn't even necessarily making excuses. It was like, I would give credit to the weight of his responsibilities and how that can be difficult because I knew I was stressed out that I definitely looking back notice is I started taking on blame or wondering if it was me. And one of the first things that I did in my head was review what did I do? And not in a, hey, I'm going to constructively look at this situation and see where I was at fault. My immediate thought was what did I do wrong that like caused that? that pattern of self-blame continued for a really long time. It's, it's probably also, it's, I don't want to call it denial in your Mm -hmm. part, but I think it's like, this person is my whole world. Like I Mm -hmm. have my husband, I have my son, and this is what my world revolves around. And to even think that there's, you know, cracks in that is a very terrifying thought. And I think it's almost like you want to guard yourself. Oh, absolutely. You don't want to, first of all, you don't want to picture there being a massive, massive, truly deep problem that could end what has made you feel happy and complete. I would bet too that like you're, when you're looking for these justifications, it's not that you're looking for excuses, but you're looking for solutions. And so you say to yourself, you know what? He has just, work has just been so busy, but when work gets better, this will get better. And then this weird funk phase that we're in, this weird aggression that he's showing that he's never shown before, like that's going to go away. I know him. Like this isn't him. This isn't a permanent thing. I didn't know what was happening Things got to such a point. They took a nosedive pretty quick. And um, in those three months, I was very quiet about what I was witnessing and seeing. I was actually very protective of him, too. You know, there was part of me that wanted to, like, go to, like, my parents or his family and say, like, hey, I'm worried about this. But I didn't want people to turn on him in a way that would be permanent or cause them to shut down on him or judge him or anything like that. And it was me not wanting to prove any ounce of any negative thing that anybody had ever said right. But the mistake of staying quiet was things escalated very, very quickly. And I then felt, how do I go about this? Nobody knows that anything has even changed. How am I going to explain to them that this really happy couple with this, you know, beautiful child is now in this state where me as his wife is going something very, very wrong. And his verbal, like, he was very verbally 
violent like outbursts verbally and the things that would come out of his mouth were twisted he went from someone who was so about building me up if i started feeling down on myself before he was like don't you do that like i love you you know whatever and it was the complete opposite and i had had a baby a year before this and i wasn't exactly like the super tiny girl that i was when he met me and he started saying little things very passively at first about baby weight that i was carrying or how i would clean something or how i would um put groceries away or what i'd pick to make for dinner and those passive aggressive things really started to break me down and i didn't even realize it was happening and in those three months it went from passive aggressive to full-on yelling at me over things and i found out officially that he was that was when i found out that he was abusing narcotics like not prescription ones and um i didn't even confront him right away because he didn't know how to i had people in my family that struggled with addiction and drug abuse and alcohol abuse before and when i finally did you know confront him about it and i remember being very nervous but also thinking about my son was kind of driving me to be brave even though he had kind of made me feel like i shouldn't speak up in certain scenarios and he lost his mind when i brought it up to him denied it call me fucking crazy um how dare i think that he would do anything like that what the fuck is wrong with me like just screaming at me and that was i think the first time that he physically put his hands on me and i was still a smaller person in comparison to him he was much taller than me and obviously i mean stronger than me and uh in his like fit of rage he basically like put his hands on each side of my shoulders and like half pushed, half picked me up and just kind of like tossed me. And I was shattered. Absolutely 150% just destroyed. And I did not know what to do because I was blaming myself, even though I knew what he was doing and that he needed help. The cycle of, I love you, I'm mad at you, I love you, I'm mad at you, had me believing it was my approach to the situation that caused him to react that way. Which to other people sounds nuts because they're like, he was on drugs, that's why that happened. But the time of passive aggressive behavior and that mental like for lack of a better word it's a very gradual mind fuck and it was in full effect the beginning stages had passed and it was in like that the middle part of it where it had set in and i was officially falling into the this is my fault somehow i know that talking to you right now you're in a much mm-hmm. better place than you were at that time but what i want to point out is the fact that it's it's not just about this gradual mind fuck but it's also about 
your vulnerability in where you're at in life and the fact that you I mean we talked we we talk a lot about how stressed he is with work and you know mm-hmm. having a family and stuff like that but you're not really talking too much about the stress Me. that you're feeling and all that mounts so you have this whole you're very I mean you're a young mom mm-hmm. if I had to guess you guys probably aren't like financially killing the game and just all of that is its own stress on its own. Then having your husband come home and snide remarks like, <laughs> oh, your tummy is still yeah. there or why the fuck did you yeah. eat this or you burnt this or whatever. And also, I mean, talk about hormone changes of having a baby. Oh. You're, yeah, it's- there's all this going on and it's like, you're also... I don't, I don't mean offense by this, but I think especially when you have a young baby and everything's so new, you feel crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, not having I, sleep is a huge thing. Then you have this monster who wants to suck on your tits, and then yes. you're oh like, my, God, yes. my stomach just doesn't feel right. Like, And I'm, I get scared to leave the house because the baby's going to start screaming his head off somewhere or whatever it might be like you start to feel crazy but he would also play on that so when you have the one that you're so close to that has listened to your everything and what is sensitive for you he knows where your sensitivities are he knows where the buttons he can push are that will absolutely just rock your world and he used those. Like, instead of being awesome about reassuring them, he started fueling them and making them worse. Around this time is also when you found out that you were pregnant again? Yep. Um, I was on birth control because we already had one. Didn't need any more at that point. Um, I did want another child, but I even before all of this started, I wanted to wait longer. It wasn't supposed to, first of all, it wasn't supposed to be possible. Two, I'm trying to be the best mother that I can be to the son we already have. Three, he's literally leaving to go try and get better and get help. And how am I gonna do this? But also I was so afraid to tell him because I didn't know how he was going to react. <sighs> and also to tell my family, that was fun. Because then I just look like I really have my shit together. You can't think of it as like, I don't have my shit together. It's life happens, you know, and it happens in all sorts of different ways. You didn't choose for your husband to have this drug problem you didn't know about it for the longest time. And I mean, your one son is 15 months. Like people, I don't know why, but people love to, everyone stresses out if their kids aren't exactly two fucking years apart. Um, <laughs> so honestly, like for a lot of people, you're like, Oh, thank God. Cause if they're three years apart, they'll never know each other. And <laughs> you know, like I don't, yeah. that's, that's kind of the way that life typically happens for people. You were thrown this huge curveball of 
my husband has a drug problem. He has to now go get help. You didn't plan for any of this to happen. Looking back now, I really, truly believe that whatever divine power or, you know, whether it's God or the universe or whatever people choose to believe in, for me, I felt like that chain of events finding out that we were dealing with this, dealing with the things that I was being put through by him and then having birth control failure, what felt like the worst possible time ended up being a huge freaking blessing because having that pregnancy, I would have always taken care of my son, no matter what kind of shape I was in mentally and emotionally, he was my number one priority. But taking care of me wouldn't have been the same. But because I was carrying a child, I had to take care of me and I had to think of me and it forced me to do that. And I swear to you, I feel like that's why it happened. So child number two kind of really like both of my children absolutely saved my life in way more aspects, but that, yeah. Your husband goes to treatment mm-hmm. and how does that, how, how long is he supposed to be there? How does it go? They tell you like, you know, you go in and it's a 30 day program, but if you need more treatment, then of course that's an option. Um, him being in treatment was awful. I wanted to literally be as supportive as I possibly could because I, I wanted my husband back while he was in treatment. And I would go see him daily. It wasn't far from where we were living at the time. Um, he was showing me signs that he was getting back to his normal self. And that was really encouraging. So, of course, I wanted to go see him. It was towards the end of his 30 days, you go through a counseling session with them. And I remember walking in the room and I was actually really oddly excited to get to be a part of that process for him. Like, I was like, this is going to help us so much. And in that session, I found out that he had taken a liking to someone in treatment Oh God. Um, he was sleeping with her in rehab. You're literally at this point, a single mom because mm-hmm. he's not working. So he doesn't bring any income in. So you're having to bust your ass at work. You're having mm-hmm. to take care of your son. You're pregnant. And this fucker is just at rehab fucking around acting like he's in college. The real doozy about that too, was the person that it, it was, was someone who acted very much like my friend. You know, they saw me there. They knew that I was his wife. She had held my son. Oh, she sounds great. That was, I think, when I really, really, truly started putting on this face of I'm fine. I wanted, for whatever reasons, it was the, I know that this is a bad situation, but I don't want people to know that it's still getting worse. It's like, how much worse could it get? Well, let me tell you, um, I didn't want people to know. I didn't want my family to know that not only had he betrayed all of our trust and was, you know, struggling with all these things, but now he's completely gone outside of our relationship, which if we're being honest, 
most likely happened before that too. And I just wasn't aware. Do you think that you, you felt this because you were still hopeful that you could bring the relationship back to where it was before and you didn't want the judgment? Oh, a thousand percent. Whenever I hear about women in that position, it's, you get, you almost get embarrassed by Mm -hmm. what has happened. And I always think that's so hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm like, I didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. No, I absolutely didn't. But I will tell you with every single fiber of my soul, I felt like I had done something or not done something that made him not want to be there for his family. Um, he told me that he thought it was best that he go to like a halfway house afterwards. And I was like, I was just exhausted. And I was like, okay, you know, you're graduating. Like I just, whatever we have to do to get you. Okay. Because I remember thinking to myself, like I need him to be okay so that I can have help at home again, like running life because I'm so tired already. Um, And you have this, I don't want to call it a ticking time bomb, but there's about to be, there's about to be two babies in your home. Yes. And, um, so when it came time for graduation, he told me that I wasn't allowed to go. And I remember standing up to him. Like I got so frustrated that I like raised my voice and was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. He got very like stern with me and he was like, you do not show up here. And I didn't, I was really depressed, just really, really depressed. And, um, as twisted as this is to say the good thing about the rehab part in the halfway house part was I was free of any like physical altercation of any shape or form, but the mental anguish that came with it was amplified. I remember thinking to myself, like he truly is happier in this halfway house with a bunch of people that are struggling that that with the same kind of thing than he is at home with us. To me, the reason that in the, in the moment you're seeing this as like, Oh, he's not happy with us. He's so much mm-hmm. happier here. If I'm honest with you, my take on it is he's not happy with you because you guys are the people that he's failing. Whether he yeah. knows that or not, I don't know, but you are a reminder of, what a failure he is. And these other people in the halfway house, it's a really great way to be like, Hey, I am the top of the shit bucket. Like (laughs) these people are so much, you know, he probably justifies it to himself of like, these people are so much worse off than I am. I'm doing great. Exactly. And I also know now looking back that it was an escape from responsibility. He didn't have to show up quote unquote there more so than be there by curfew. Don't go downstairs after 11 o'clock. Like at home, he would have had to be a a man. Uh, When he finally came out of the halfway house and came home, he was really great for like the first week. And he had left his phone home and 
there were text messages from one of the girls that was in like the female halfway house asking him questions about what they were going to put in their apartment they were getting together. <sighs> when he came home from work, I <laughs> that was one of the first times that I really just didn't even care anymore. If he got angry, I lost my mind and I packed all my stuff and I was ready to leave. And he apologized and I was just crying. Like I didn't sleep at all that night and I, I wanted to leave and he kept begging me not to go anywhere. And that was something that I hadn't seen him care about me in so long. I was so deprived of the person that wanted me and cared about me that I stayed because I wanted to keep that. And I thought like it's there, you know, and I'm about to have this baby in a few months and I need to like give us a shot and blah, 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 blah. Worst mistake ever because it, as if it wasn't bad enough already, every time I let something like that happen, every time that little manipulation worked, it was giving him permission in his mind. Like, oh, she's not going to go anywhere. She's not going to go anywhere. And the physical abuse part of it ramped up so quickly while I was pregnant that it sent me into such a whirlwind of shutdown that I completely understand now. You talk about the uh, spousal abuse, like mind fuck. It is a very, very real thing. I wasn't a weak human being. I was not like unintelligent or not self-sufficient or anything like that. It just grabs a hold of you in such a way that you are convinced that no one will understand no one will believe you and i mean he was feeding a lot of that no one's gonna want me with two kids and you know this and that and blah 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 and it got to a point like he stabbed me in the face with a broom while i while we were cleaning he just picked it up and stabbed me in the face with it and i had broom bristles in my face and in my eye and i couldn't i was too afraid to go to the doctor because i knew that i would have to tell them what happened to me and I was afraid of losing my children because I wasn't strong enough to leave because I felt like I could not physically leave. At the end of my pregnancy with my daughter, I had huge bruises on my arm because he bit my arm when he got mad at me. And I would lie about what it was when they would ask me because I was, doctors always say like, if you don't feel safe, we'll help you. Well, what they don't realize is, yeah, you're gonna help me. How? You're gonna have him, what, arrested? And then they'll let him go. And then he comes back to me and I have to be the one to deal with it. It literally felt like there was no escape. I uh, have on the inside of my mouth, a very large like V shaped scar from my own teeth from where I was backhanded so hard because I wanted him to stay home with his family one night. And he got so angry over it that he just hauled off and backhanded me. And when I was down on the ground crying, he grabbed like the back of my hair and pulled me up that way. And like my physical hair, like chunks of it were ripped out of my head. And the people that he was supposed to go hang out with that were downstairs that knew me and you could hear it just left. They did nothing.
And I know that people at my job and people that we were friends with, uh, I stopped kind of seeing my family at this point. It's just part of what happens. You seclude yourself. Um, You don't want people to know. I knew people at work knew that something was wrong, especially once he got brave enough to kind of like hit my face. You can't hide that. Like you put on all makeup in the world, super obvious. Like my face was black and blue. My lips were so swollen that like they peeled because chap lips times a million because of how much swelling was happening. There's no way that that was not obvious. And I knew that. And I would just lie because what else am I going to do? In my head, I was never going to get away from it. Nobody's just going to keep him in jail forever. He's going to come for me. And he would tell me too, when it got to this point, he would tell me like, you are always, always, always going to be mine. So get used to it. I want to ask you a question and I want you to know that this is not a question that I am asking necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's a question that I feel like nobody ever says to the victim, but a Mm -hmm. lot of people say about the victim. Uh Uh-huh. And it is, how could you keep your kids in that environment? I feel like it's a multiple part answer. One, I will say this. My children were never present when he would do these terrible, terrible things. Mm -hmm. Not that that means they couldn't feel the tension or, you know, whatever else. He waited till it was literally me by myself because he knew that people were like seeing things like outside of work, but nobody had said anything yet. So he wasn't going to act. He was happy as pie. If anybody else was around and pretended to be super loving and whatever, he wasn't bad to our children. He, it was very isolated. They weren't around when those things happened. However, I was legitimately convinced that they would be taken from me if I tried to report anything, um, if I tried to leave or, and this is the biggest thing that I wish that I could convey in a way that people would understand the fear of, if you tell anyone what's really happening, or if you try to leave me like for real, I will kill you. We see it in movies. We hear about it. You know what I mean? That is Mm -hmm. a real threat. And I believed it with every ounce of my being. I didn't want my kids to not have a mom at all. I didn't want to lose them. I didn't, it wasn't even me fearing dying at that point. It was me fearing my kids growing up without me if I tried. So it wasn't, people are like, how could you allow that? Like as their mother and you're supposed to protect them. Like I literally was incapable of seeing past the, the manipulation and the abuse to realize that I could leave and not lose them or lose my own life. And that I would be okay. That the, the 
umbrella of bullshit that had been ground into my head wasn't real and that people would absolutely believe me and help me as I think one of the hardest things for people to understand is when you're in this complete and total dark place where you're not seeing things rationally there is this little teeny tiny flame that doesn't stop burning that every now and then peaks in and goes this is wrong like you know it's wrong but your ability to fight is gone and the whole time i knew that this was terrible and even when i kind of just accepted like because there was a point where i just accepted it for a while like this is my life i knew that if my family and my friends knew what was really going on that they would be hurt for me they would be angry for me but they would also be as much as I didn't want to let my children down and was trying to do everything, I didn't want to let all of these people that loved me down. And I didn't want to tell them what I was putting up with every day and that I couldn't fix it and that I I just felt like I failed at everything. And that's really embarrassing. You know, I fought for this so hard and everybody had, from the point that we met and people were like, you're too young and whatever else, and then through treatment and through kids and all of this, like, I just kept fighting for it. And it just felt like I was fighting to, just fail over and over again. And I didn't want people to know that they were right, I guess, is how I saw it then. I just, I so, I so wish in that moment, what you could have seen is that like you were not, it 1000%, nobody is going to argue with the fact that you fought but yeah there is a point when you can't keep fighting for something when the other person doesn't want to oh hands down and if i could go back to me at that point or if there was ever anybody that i could say anything to if they're in a similar situation is that I wish that I would have just taken the, just swallowed it and gone and talked to somebody and seen how they would have and how they did eventually just show up for me. And they weren't judgmental and they weren't, you know, what is wrong with you and this is your fault and how dare you and all of that. It was all around like, care and protection and oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't know let me help you 
I really didn't think that that existed. I didn't think that I could get out of it and be okay or survive or do any of the things that life required of me. And I do think, and I know that that is why so many people stay in this situation is because they don't think that they can go. They don't think that there's a way out. They don't think that they will be okay. And you absolutely will be. Because you regain so much. Where are you at right now? I have been divorced for oh six, seven, eight, eight years. <laughs> um, my children are growing up beautifully. It is taxing. We have an amazing set of family and friends that are our support system. And I've seen them blossom in ways that makes me the happiest mom I've ever been. I am still working every day to deal with um, my own aspects of what's happened and the impacts of everything and how to heal myself in realizing that there's a lot of healing that I really do need because you're in fight or flight mode for so long and then it's a different fight or flight mode. Uh, still to this day, I know that there are probably things that my brain has suppressed that I don't remember. And one day and probably very intensive therapy that will come out and that even terrifies me still. But I'll never go back to who I was before all of this because it changes me some or it changed me so much. But it doesn't mean that I am not still the same like creative, sarcastic, like semi-rebellious person that I was, but now it's with all of this stuff under my belt that I don't see as a weight at all. I see it as like the most silver of silver linings that I could possibly ever come up with is this stuff, as terrible as it is and was, shaped me to be the person that I am. I hope if you are listening to this and you are in this woman's position. Let this be the sign that you are looking for. You can't stay where you're at and you don't deserve any of the things happening to you. I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that first step is going to be, but you have to do it and you can do it because you are strong, and you are not alone. If you or someone you know is stuck in an abusive relationship, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or visit their website at www.thehotline.org. If you're local to Arizona, you can call Chrysalis a local nonprofit that provides resources for those affected by domestic violence at 602-944-4999 or visit their website at noabuse.org. Thank you guys for listening. Everybody has a secret.